I will be reading from uh, the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. It reads, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, and being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The Word of God for the people of God. This morning I want to talk to you about a struggle I've had my whole life. The biggest problem I will ever face in my life, I've realized, is me. In my life, I have been told um, that I'm this or that I'm that, that I'm smart or that I'm funny, um, I'm handsome. Um, but it's me puffing myself up. My ego, my pride. I look at things also that I have and that I do not have. And I am dissatisfied at times where I am versus where I want to be. Pride can be destructive and cause division and, it, and does not give us a godly perspective of our lives. Humility gives us the right perspective. A man was walking through an art gallery when he came upon a picture of Jesus dying upon the cross. He stopped and looked at the beautiful portrait of Calvary's love. As he stared into the face of Christ, so full of agony, the gallery guard tapped him on the shoulder. Lower, the guard said. The artist painted this picture to be appreciated from a lower position. So the man bent down. And from this lower position, he observed new beauties in the picture, not previously shown. Lower, said the guard. Lower still. The man knelt down on one knee and looked up into the face of Christ. The new vantage point yielded new beauties to behold and appreciate. But motioning with his torch to the ground, the guard said, Lower. You've got to go lower. The man now dropped down to both knees and looked up. Only then, as he looked up at the painting, from such a low posture, could he realize the artist's intended perspective. Only then could he see the full beauty of the cross. The same is true concerning humility. It is when we become meeker, more humble, more modest, less prideful, and less arrogant 
that we can really see and behold more fully the glories of our wonderful Lord and what He would have us do in our lives for Him. This morning, may we find encouragement through Christ's example of humility and search our hearts as we focus on these three things. One, humility in self. Two, humility in our church. And three, humility in the world. Humility in self. A tremendous amount of time could be given to discussing pride versus humility in our lives. I think we can all agree that we have all been prideful in our lives at some time or another. Some struggle more than others, but we all wrestle with pride. Pride can be seen in two ways, inflated or deflated. An inflated person is somebody who thinks they are better than the world around them. Here is someone who seeks to push themselves ahead to be better than the next person and brag about their gifts and abilities. They are dissatisfied with what they have and are constantly seeking more. A deflated person is someone who focuses on their weaknesses, on their shortcomings, their inadequacies. This may not appear to be pride because it is a negative expression, but the focus is still on self. It's still on me. This person is dissatisfied with the way God created them. They feel cheated and focus on all the things they, f- they feel they should have, but they do not. Pride is destructive. It destroys any possibility of a personal relationship with God because we will not allow God to be in control. As long as God is held at an arm's distance, at an arm's length, and not allowed to be God of our lives, no vital relationship with Him can exist. In my own life, I've experienced both inflated and deflated pride in myself. To hear people say that I'm intelligent, or my wife tell me that I'm the most handsome man she's ever seen, or to hear people say that, you know, hey, we're doing a good job with the youth, or, or compliment me on my sermon, those are, things are not necessarily bad. But it is the attitude of my heart. And sometimes I find myself not giving the glory to God. And that everything that we should do, whether we say or whether it's through our time, our energy, our resources, everything should be for the glory of God. And I've also looked at my life and feel dissatisfied where I am. I'm 24 years old and I'm still trying to finish my education to get my bachelor's. I want to get my master's. I look at my car and my car is, you know, 13 years old. I look at all the newer models. I look at all the newer phones and the newer TVs, all the newer stuff. I find myself wanting to be older and to be a a little more wise. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, And all of us, as with an unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the Word of God, as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are constantly being transformed into His very own image, an ever-increasing splendor from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
We can see from this passage that developing God's character in our lives is a continuous process and is dependent on our constant beholding through the Lord, through His Scriptures, through, His, through the Word of God. We are to behold Him, to seek Him through His Word. Humility means neither thinking too highly of oneself nor depreciating myself before God. We are to accept His plan with gratitude and thankfulness and understand that He is in control regardless of what is happening around us. In short, it is the proper estimation of oneself. The stance of the creature before the Creator, utterly dependent and trusting. You see, we can never become what God wants us to be on our own strength. We must trust in Him to produce humility in us. But neither can we simply kick back, throw off our shoes and get on my lazy boy and wait for this to happen spontaneously. We must work hard at obeying what God reveals to us from the Scriptures. This is why the basics of the Christian walk, the fundamentals, are so important. A relationship with God. Our communication needs to be a two-way street. Our prayer life and our quiet times are so vital to our walk with Christ. I think it's important for us to reflect sometimes on exactly on our days. Well, how much time am I spending with God? How much time am I in His Word, letting Him pour you know, His Word into my life? How much time am I trying to seek Him, to love Him with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind? How much time am I spending trying to love the people He has placed around me? See, through the Scriptures, we, are allow, we allow ourselves to glimpse at who God is and what He wants us to do in our lives. And through prayer, He hears the cries and the desires of our hearts. If we are to be transformed into His image, into His character, into His likeness, for this to happen, we need more of God and less of me. Humility in church. St. Luke, United Methodist Church, is a church where there is no division. No one fights here. No one complains or argues. There's no negative gossip, and we always put our brothers' and sisters' interests Above our own. This is St. Luke. I see some of you smiling at me. Um, <laughs> that's a good indicator. Now we know this statement to be false. Only because we know all of us here are sinners. And all of us here will fail one another. As we look around the room today, we can all recall times where this has happened before. You see, being united in Christ does not mean never having problems with the person sitting next to you. Or sometimes having ill feelings because of situations or, that happened or things that were said. What Paul is emph emphasizing here to this church, what he wants them to realize is who unites them and for what purpose. Here at St. Luke, we, we are united in Christ and our purpose is to grow with God, grow with others, and grow in service to the world. We will always have problems with one another. 
Even the disciples in their own time had disagreements and problems with one another. But Paul gives us a little secret, gives us a little insight in verses 3 and 4. It says, when we do nothing out of selfish ambition, when we consider others better than ourselves, when we look not only to our interests, but to our brothers and our sister next to us, we look at their interests as well. This covers such a wide and rich range of how we are to be living and treating one another. We can imagine several ways this message can be applied in our lives and here at this church. One way is there are people that you can help and that you can bless. There are people that you can help and that you can bless. Three years ago, when I first began working here, I did not drive, I didn't have a license, and I didn't own a vehicle. I remember my mom would transport me and the youth to events that we needed to go to. It's pretty funny to think about how far, you know, God has brought me. Um, And I can remember several times where my mom, you know, she'd be driving back and forth. So I lived in Central, I worked over here in the east side, and um, man, she drove me. (laughs) So I don't know know how many miles I owe her for. But I started praying for a vehicle that I could rely on and at a good, reasonable price. God brought two brothers from two different churches into my life. One to sell me the car at a very reasonable reasonable price, and the second helped me by giving me a gift of $1,000. You see, these brothers were not looking at their own interests or their own selfish ambition. One could have easily cheated, <clears throat> cheated me by the car that they sold me, or the other could have used the money uh, for their families. Here at this church, we need to look and see how we can help each other by the gifts, by the talents, by our resources, by our time, by our energy that we each have been given to by God. We need to be able to look around and see what our brother and our sister are needing or what they are lacking or what they are desiring in their lives so that we can help each other. We can bless one another. Also, many quarrels can be quieted by following Paul's message here. When arguments or disagreements come, if both persons are looking not to themselves, how they were hurt or what they want, But they're trying to understand how they hurt the other person or what the other person is wanting. This is a step toward forgiveness and unity. Unity in the faith. This is what we should do. See, unity in the church comes from focusing on who brings us together and what He wants us to do. The verse says that for our... The verse... Verses 5 through 7 says that our attitude needs to be the same as Christ, who humbled himself. He made himself nothing, became a servant, and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Humility in the world. Verse 6 through 8 reads, Who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, But made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. 
He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is what it means for Christ to be equal with God. To pour himself out for the sake of others and to do so by taking the role of a slave. Jesus not only reveals the character of God, but also reveals what it means for us to be created in God's image. To bear his likeness and to have his mindset. It means taking the role of a slave for the sake of others. I want to read you this story. And it reads like this. His name is Bill. He has wild hair. He wears a t-shirt with holes in it, jeans, and no shoes. This was literally his wardrobe for his entire four years of college. He's a kind of mysterious guy, and he's very, very bright. He became a Christian while attending college. Across the street from the campus is a church, the members of which are well-dressed and very conservative. They want to develop a ministry to the students, but, are not, but are, they're not sure how to go about it. One day, Bill decides to visit that church. He walks in with his jeans, his t-shirt, his wild hair, and no shoes, and starts down the center aisle looking for a place to sit. The church is completely packed, and he can't find a seat. The members look a bit uncomfortable, but no one says anything. Bill gets closer and closer to the pulpit, and when he realizes that there are no seats left, he just sits down on the carpet. By now, the members are really uptight, and tensions are filling the air. Then, from back of the church, a deacon slowly makes his way toward Bill. Now, in his 80s, the deacon has silver-gray hair, a three-piece suit, and a pocket watch. He's a godly man. He's very elegant, very dignified, very courtly. He walks with a cane, and as he heads toward Bill, all the members are saying to themselves, You can't blame him for what he's going to do. How can you expect a man of his age and background to understand a college kid on the floor? It takes a long time for the old man to get down the aisle. All eyes are focused on him. The church is utterly silent. The minister can't even begin preaching until the deacon does what he has to do. When he reaches the front, the congregation watches as he, with great difficulty, lowers himself and sits down next to Bill so he won't be alone. You see, Jesus lowered himself to be a human being, then a servant, and finally death on a cross. As he lived his life here, we can all recall several stories of his life with the people he chose to break bread with. Zacchaeus, a greedy tax collector who stole from people. Mary, a prostitute. We have blind people. We have lepers. We have lame people. We have people who had no hope, no love. People who were rejected. He ate with them. He talked with them. He shared life with them. As we look to his example of being humble, we can see that he surrounded himself with people of all backgrounds and all beliefs. We are called to do the same. We are to share our life and our testimonies with all the people around us, especially those whose society rejects. Sometimes it is our pride that gets in the way of sitting down to a meal with someone who has a past 
or doesn't fit our standards. It is also pride that causes us to fear what we do not understand. We have nothing in common or we don't know what to say or do. We feel inadequate looking at our own weaknesses rather than on God's glory in our lives. You see, it is our character that will either draw people to Christ or repel them. What we say and what we do. Our character will largely determine the quality and kind of ministry we have with others. Godly character is a mixture of faith and disciplined daily walk, which allows us to walk in obedience to God's will. Dwight L. Moody once said, The world has yet to see what God will do in the life of one who is wholly yielded to Him. The question is, will you let Him do His work in your life? You see, we have all sinned and we all fall short. We are all in need of His love and His grace. May we look to Christ's example and give Him control of our hearts to work through us. My prayer for this morning and throughout this week is that we can continue to reflect on how Christ's example of humility can be applied in your own personal walk, your own personal life, in yourself. How can humility be applied here at St. Luke, at our church? And how can it be applied in the community, in the spheres of influence where you are, here in the city of El Paso, where God has placed you? May we focus on who unites us and what is our purpose. We are united in Christ. We are all in need of His love, His mercy, and His grace every day of our lives. Let us continue to grow with God, grow with others, and grow in service to the world. Amen.